Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Yourself podcast in association with Motus. So our next guest is a big one, multi-talented, multifaceted, but still extremely down to earth. An Olympian, a presenter, a media personality, a fitness instructor, a Love Island winner and a law graduate. Achieving so much at a young age is a conversation in itself that Owen and I are excited to get into. You're most welcome to the podcast, Greg O'Shea. How are you today? Oh, thanks very much for having me on. It's a mouthful of an intro, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I say I'm a, a, ja- a jack of all trades, but a master of none, really. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Greg, my first question is related to the theme of our season, which is sports psychology. Uh, you've obviously played at the biggest stage that can be played, which of course is the Olympics. So you're after flying over to Japan. All the prep that your team can do is done. So my first question is, the night before your first game, what's the mental preparation involved there? Yes, it's a funny one with us now at the Irish Sevens team because three weeks before qualifying for, or going to the Olympics, we qualified. We were, it was like a last chance saloon Mm. called a repressage. So every other team in the Olympics had qualified two years previously and there was one spot left. So we played the Olympic qualifier three weeks before Tokyo in France. And for the whole two years previous that was COVID. So like we were all getting up during COVID training, really hard, staying really, really focused every day, waking up being like, we have to win one tournament, which is on in two years. Well, it was going to be on in a year, but it got pushed because of COVID. So basically it was the two years of mental pressure and mental prep, all being up to this one tournament to get the last spot. You had to win the tournament to get into Tokyo. We beat France in France in the final in front of a, in front of a crowd actually they had a couple of people there and just the emotion like the elation it was just such relief and like we all were like nearly laughing and we were crying we like we couldn't believe it so like the, we kind of hit our emotional apex there yeah. because we were so focused for for so long and then basically when we got to the olympics and we all kind of looked back in hindsight we were just happy to be there yeah Do you know what i mean we were just so emotionally taxed by the time we got there we just couldn't pick ourselves back up again and now we did okay in the olympics we came 10th overall um so looking back we were much more mentally focused for the Olympic qualifier because that's what we had, yeah. had pinpointed. And was there no pressure there then when you were? That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Not as much pressure as there was for the qualifier because I think even like our our, our goal for the season or for the last four years was to get to the Olympics. We achieved that. We never said, let's go win the Olympics. You know? mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. if we said, we go, let's go win the Olympics, then we were indifferent. So in hindsight, we all kind of like regret that, that we weren't able to pick ourselves back up again. But that's just a mental battle. Like two years, we woke up every single day during COVID. We're all running in our separate places because you weren't allowed to go five kilometers outside your gaff. We'd have Zoom calls, keeping each other on point. Like, and um, it was just staying in the game and knowing that there was this long-term goal that we were focusing on and, and, and we finally achieved it. So the night before playing the final day in the Olympic qualifier in Monaco, um, it was quiet, man. It was like, we all knew there was a job to be done, but we all knew we had the prep done. So it was just, I think we, as I said, that we all knew we had the prep done. So we were confident in the fact that we knew the mileage was in the legs. We, yeah. we all knew the moves inside out. We all knew exactly our roles in each job. So it was just going out and performing it. Do you know what I mean? It's so almost like robotic. Yeah, it was like robotics. Like, lads, we yeah. know how to do it. Let's just go do it. But we had to do it at the best of our ability. And I'll never forget, we were walking down. So in the sevens, everyone just kind of has tents or rooms. So like you walk past all the other, like, kind of like in Drive to Five, you know, they all walk past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that in sevens as well. You walk past each team. We're playing France in the final. We're in France. And we hear there's loads of music playing, like we're walking over from our hotel in single file, loads of music playing, we're like, what's going on? And the French team are all dancing around their, their dressing room, messing, joking, laughing. And 
me and all the lads hadn't said a word to each other for 10 minutes. We all worked, walked single file from the hotel to our dressing room because we were just so focused on it and so like pinpoint like blinkered and this is our job, this is what we have to do. We have the prep done now, we just need to go perform. And we were all just, we walked into our dressing room, all sat around, no one said a word to each other and we all just knew mentally that like these French guys have no ideas what's coming like mm. they don't know how much you're into this and we went out and we beat them so um, the thing for us when we look back it was just consistency and and um, knowing your job and just having the prep done I think was the I know it's a big long winded answer there but do you, that's do you take the emotion out of it like let's say like at the Olympics now like there's almost a fear that you wouldn't take it all in, if that makes sense. Mm. But then you mentioned that it's better to be that kind of robotic approach of we're ready, we don't need to think about this or feel this, we yeah. just need to do it. Yeah. Like, do you take the emotion out of the performance or like when you were there? Like, I don't know, did they have the national anthem play when you were there? Uh, no, there's no national anthem for sevens because there's just too many matches playing. Ah, okay. But if you if you get to the final, there's a national anthem. Okay. Yeah. But no, there's kind of, it's kind of a, a balance when it comes to sport, especially rugby, because it's in a contact sport. Yeah. There's aggression. You need to be somewhat riled up, mm. but then it's controlled. You, you, we say controlled aggression. Like, mm. So go as hard as you can into everything, but know what you're doing because you don't want to give away a penalty. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, But the confidence comes from the preparation, right. and there's no way to... There's no way to like fake that. If you don't have the work done, you don't have the work done. So um, mm. when it gets onto the pitch, it's control, aggression, but you don't want to lose your head. Yeah. And it's just, if you have the work done and you'll just perform, and we performed outstandingly and we ended up qualifying for the Olympics, it was just kind of annoying that we couldn't, like basically we went on the piss then for three weeks right after qualifying. <laughs> yeah, of and course, and, why not? And every other team was like prepping for the Olympics and we were out drinking, celebrating, mm. like, so. But it it's different just, if you get that out of your system like two years previous and exactly. then you can kind of wind yourself up, whereas you guys were kind of going, well, who knows what's going to happen in the Olympics? If we don't enjoy this, we might regret this as well. Yeah. So. so we were in the Olympics in the village, like taking videos, <laughs> like the whole lot, like enjoying it in the like going or twenty four hour food there, going over having pizzas like at two a.m. Like so, um, in hindsight, it was kind of like funny looking back on, but we're just so proud to be there. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, just yeah. get it done for the country. Um, so the Olympic qualifier was when we were fully mentally focused and it worked. The Olympics was just a cool experience. Like yeah, fair. and. What I'm curious about is because obviously the format of sevens I always think is like intense in itself because it's shorter games and um, it's you know that kind of thing where you know as you said it's focused aggression but then maybe like a couple of small mistakes could have a big impact in the game because you don't have as you know as much as a full full length you know one hour or whatever it is to kind of make that up so do you find like like is there a whole lot of kind of mental preparation around that around you know, because the kind of everything is on, particularly on that last qualifier where you kind of, this is your last chance to live. Do you have, do you do a lot of kind of psychology stuff? I know we've spoken about in some of our other episodes about how psychology is kind of coming into sports and then in some of the bigger sports, there's lots of it. In some of the sports that maybe are less kind of represented, it's not as big. I don't know what your experience yeah. with that. Do they do a lot of kind of mental preparation for you guys? Well, yeah, in, within the last couple of years, uh, mental prep and meeting psychologists has become a massive thing in sport. Mm -hmm. I think 10 years ago, if a lad said that he was going to see a psychologist, you would have been like, you're yeah. right, lad, like what's going on? Yeah. Now, if you're not seeing a psychologist, it's probably a bit weird. Like yeah. if you're not going to see the psychologist once a week, you're like, you're right, man, you should probably go see them. Like, you know, because like it's all about mental reps because 
you're playing at such a high level you can't be going out every day tackling each other you're picking up injuries you get like hamstring strains shoulder knocks whatever so you can basically replicate it in your head if you and that's what they try to get us to do it's called visualization so you just do the mental reps um, and you just know your job then as i said you're so prepped that when it happens on the pitch it's automatic like yeah um, and you hear people who are talking about being in the zone that's basically when you're in the zone it just happens your body just you've done it so many times that your body just does it and just reacts um so there's that kind of mental prep but then again it's not one size fits all so a lot of lads can get to where they need to be mentally by doing different techniques so some lads like jordan conroy for instance yeah. who's top try scorer in the world like he's incredible athlete mm-hmm. i was literally just with him there a minute ago he loves to listen to music and he'll just go into the corner listen to music and that gets him in the zone other lads will be studying their notes studying the plays that gets them in the zone other guys go to sleep like i know guys that love going for naps and then do you know what i mean so just you find out what works for you but i do think that meeting a sports psychologist is a massive part of the game now like when it gets to the elite level especially the olympics everyone's class like mm. do you know what i mean every single person yeah. is the top one percent of the world of athletes yeah. like everyone's elite so the difference is where your mental side of it do you mm. know what i mean that's that's where you win because like you see see this everyone's just like shredded done like four years of training everyone has their moves perfectly planned out but then they lose it in the head like so um that's when it comes down to it so i think it's only becoming the last couple of years it's become much more prevalent that mm. um mental is much more as important as physical mm. yeah. and, and one of the things like what in some of the conversations with some of the other kind of sports people it was ga i was talking to uh, a county hurler from dublin and one of the things he was saying and i think seems to be a thing where elite sport is both really good it's an opportunity as you said compete against that one percent but the pressures that that puts on you like you said like you kind of in sevens you spent your whole life building up and that was the pinnacle to get to that but like you've spent all those years of trial and tribulation to get there so it can also be kind of a detriment because you kind of go from that super high and then afterwards it's you know it's a real low and how how do you process that Mm. like Getting into like elite sport, was that something that's always been in you? Was that a family pressure or family push encouragement to kind of really take sport seriously? Where did that kind of desire to really yeah. take to the, an elite yeah. level come from? Well, there's kind of two elements here. The first thing I'll talk about was the, the mental side of, of competing at the top level in elite sport. In a build up to going to the Olympics, we had so many meetings with the psychologists and the Olympic Council and Olympic team being like, guys, we're just prepping you that there's a massive um mental kind of downward spiral after the olympics because as you said you build up for for four years people build up for it right we were building up for kind of two years kind of five if you look at the bigger picture but two years for the olympic qualifier and they were like the levels of depression in olympians after the olympics is mad like Mm. they're like there's some ridiculous stat about how many olympians break up with their partners after the olympics like Mm. because it's just been such a massive pressure you build up you build up you build up you get there and then it's done and then you're gone and then you you wake up on the monday morning like all right what am i doing with my life do you know what's next am i going to go to the next olympics am i going to retire all this stuff even myself i really really struggled for six months after the olympics because I retired and then I am in a kind of industry now where there is like say you work for yeah. you have a contract you have an employment contract I don't have an employment contract I work job to job yeah. so I have no security there it's very lucrative and it's fun but it's also like kind of like um, anxiety um, but, yeah, yeah. yeah do you know what I mean it's kind of it creates a lot of anxiety and then um, 
I even broke up with, with a girlfriend in those six months. Like, as they said, it was going to happen. Like, all this different stuff. I moved to London. Mm. I was just, like, all over the place, man. And people Couldn't find a kind of a base. There was no security in my life. Lo- location, relationship, or job. There was no security. And I was, like, all over the place. And people look at me being like, oh, you're an Olympian. You're the Love Island winner. Yeah. You're this, you're that, you're that. And I'm like, yeah, that's class. But, like, I'm still, like, still trying to figure my own crap out. Yeah. Like, you know? yeah. So that's a massive side of it, man. And all, even the... Olympic champions struggle with it, man. Which it's, is, it's good crazy. that they're addressing it now, though. You yeah. mentioned that you had meetings about it. Like, that is reassuring. I'd say yeah. that wasn't there maybe 10 years ago. Exactly. When people listen now, they're like, oh, Olympians definitely don't struggle with any mental health. Yeah. Like, and there's literally, like, they're the cream of the crap of athletes in the world, and yeah. they're struggling. Like, do you know? It's because yeah. your life, I suppose, is scheduled yeah. out. You know your training, your process. And so you don't really have to think outside of the sport when you're aiming for that goal. But then once it's oh, gone yeah, and you don't bad. have that structure, you're like, what do I do now? And as you said, it's different from going into that to maybe like a contracted job or something, but you went from super structure to the most unstructured kind of lifestyle you could think Everyone, of, which is yeah. exciting, but as you said, it's a complete flip from what you're used to. Exactly, so. yeah. I'm sure with elite athletes, as you said there, you're everything, everything is scheduled out for you. Yeah. Like every, you, you wake up in the morning, you know exactly what you're gonna eat, then you go to the gym, your schedule's there for you, everything's there for your gear, everything lunch is made for you then you come home you sleep and you do it all again yeah. like literally it's done you're, you're basically like a glorified baby like, you know what I mean? <laughs> everything's done for you you're just unbelievable at your sport like, yeah. yeah and then it's all taken from you whereas like people who work nine to fives there's just such structure and there's always like you're around people that you're working with all these different things so that's a massive side of it but moving on to the other side of the question was um getting into elite sport so my whole family are big sporting people both my parents sprinted for ireland all my pa- all my uncles played rugby so like so it was a foregone conclusion i was going to play rugby like you know mm-hmm. i actually went to the youth olympics sprinting for ireland i did the 100 oh, nice. meters when i was 16 which was class but if you're not running nearly 10 seconds flat by the time you're 18 <laughs> you're not going to make it as a sprinter like yeah. so i kind of realized that took a contract up with munster because i did i played well in school mm. went into the academy there and um it was always just a goal for me just to, to become a international rugby player and then uh, different things happened and i got pulled into the sevens team and i've realized that's an olympic sport and it was just a roundabout way of getting to the olympics like so it, it was really cool man but i always wanted to be a sports person yeah yeah in the family yeah exactly yeah. yeah and um going back to you mentioned about adapting to retirement um when you retired did you slow down and reflect on what happened or was your approach just on to the next task like i need to focus on my career like how did you approach that uh, because i know you mentioned the retirement's a big big issue yeah so what was your kind of approach after you made the decision like what was next for you yeah it was tough man so i've always been i think it's probably coming from the sporting side of things that i always have something that i'm working towards so i have always had a goal so i was even trying to set up my life post-retirement even before i retired like so as i said i moved to london i was meeting these big agencies big London agencies trying to like get in there for a commercial and brand sense for what I'm doing now and I went in and met, met with these massive agencies in London like big, big places like Covent Garden Leicester Square yeah. and I went in and they were like oh great lovely to meet you so like uh, you're going to Olympics that's pretty cool you want to love Ireland that's pretty cool but like who are you now like do you know what's your selling point wow. and I was like <laughs> I couldn't answer the question as I was yeah. like I actually don't know Like, and then it was such a slap in the face I was like who who am I now? Like I was like, yeah, I want to love Ireland Olympian, but like, what, what am I doing with myself? And it was a really big, three agencies in a row said the exact same thing. I was wow. like, are these people talking to each other? Like, yeah. this is weird because I suppose they're looking at it as a business. They're like, how am I going to sell this guy? Yeah. Um. So I that was a big slap of reality, man. And I was like, okay, what am I? And I had to just like 
reassess and it's like what am I passionate about do you know what I mean if, and if you do something that you're passionate about like you guys are doing here with your, yeah. like you're not getting paid to do this you're passionate about it I was like I love fitness and I love wellness okay that's one I love working with my social media brand deals and like creating content for them that's two and I love media and presenting that's three so I was like I'm going to base my life off these three things and try and make yeah. it work um, so I was like how am I going to get fitness how am I going to monetize that I was like create an app so I created an app I have that going now it's better with Greg mm -hmm. it's still building but like I love it like so mm. it doesn't feel like work media and presenting I'm picking off gigs here and there really enjoying that it yeah. gives me kind of the same adrenaline buzz as sport Yeah. because it's live and if I mess up everyone hears me mess yeah, up yeah. Like, so I kind of like that buzz that pressure and then the social media brands they just like really align with what I'm doing so I just cycled like the Ireland last month yeah. I'm prepping for the London Marathon this October and like brands are just getting in behind me and helping me to do that so it's really cool man um, but as I said it was such a struggle like and I even had to like admit to myself at one stage I was like I'm not okay like you know and I come from like the big rugby hard strong <laughs> guys like you're not allowed to have emotion like and and I fought it like if you asked me a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago be like uh, you should probably go see someone you know talk about what you're thinking I would be like nah you're a pussy man like you're a bitch like that. and people yeah. don't do that like and I was, if you told me you were going to see a therapist I would have subconsciously thought you were weak like and that's yeah. I, that's yeah. so wrong for me to say but I definitely would have thought that 100% yeah, I'd be like oh lad he's just weak minded like he needs to grow up a little bit and my my mental state at the six months post Olympics was so bad um, I tried to reach out to a girlfriend at the time who wasn't wasn't there for me. She was kind of doing her own stuff, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I didn't know what was going on." And I like accepted the feelings, and I brought myself to a therapist, and it was easily like the strongest thing I've ever done in hindsight that I just yeah. accepted. I was like, "I need to speak to someone because this is getting a bit weird." And since then, I've just been so much better. Like, and I come back to where I was. But like as I said, they said that was going to happen, and I just never thought it would happen to me, mm. and it did. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's just kind of accepting your feelings and just kind of surrounding yourself with good people, your good family, your good friends, and just like realize that life is like peaks and troughs. Is that the right yeah. thing? Yeah. It's up and down, and like, and now I'm I'm back on it up. Am I coming Great. back down towards the end of the year? But like, do you know these things happen? Yeah, mm. yeah. And yeah. I suppose because you know it's even when you think about even when you talk about it there, it's almost like tiring, like all the things like having to firstly deal with you know the you know you're playing the olympics then you're having to deal with retirement which is such a weird concept as a young young person 26 year old 26 year old like, yeah. you're going oh i've got to deal with retirement now you've got to kind of form and it's not like as you said you go into a job and it's structured for you you've got to actually go what am i interested in and how do i turn that into a career which is a, yeah. a an exciting prospect but also a daunting prospect so like from your experience playing sport and like we said there's a lot of structured aspects to sport but there's a lot of routine and things you do to kind of get the best out of you and some of them are kind of untangibles there may be like you know people have superstitions they do certain things to get the most out of them when they're playing sport is there things you've taken from your sporting experience that you've used to kind of put a bit of structure and supporting life to deal with that craziness and that kind of you know mental craziness and balancing everything yeah. because it seems like a lot but you've got to kind of balance it as well. So do you take anything from your experiences as a sports player to kind of keep yourself steady, Eddie? Yeah, definitely. I, so I think when I have kids and I always would say to everyone, I think being involved in a sports team even for a couple of years is massive. Like I think it teaches you such good values in life. Like it teaches you discipline, it teaches you structure, it teaches you how to lose. Mm. It like it teaches just such it teaches you to be organized so things like that so as I said there I was trying to figure out what I was passionate about when I, once I retired and I didn't even want to retire that's the thing I wanted to keep going I played rugby until I couldn't walk anymore but the issue was we were getting paid below minimum wage mm. and 
that's just not sustainable. Like, yeah. So I kind of got out while I was on top, which was lucky to be able to retire when I wanted to. Um, so it was just like picking off what I wanted. And I didn't want to be a solicitor either. When I have a law degree and I was doing the FU1s, I was like, this doesn't excite me. So I was like, I need to f- create a life that I want to work in, which I've somewhat, somewhat managed to do now. But it's just like, so in rugby, I would be given my schedule. Now I create my own schedule. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So I have, I, I put it on my phone. I know exactly what I'm doing for every hour for every every week that's coming up for the next few weeks like do you nice. know what I mean and I put, I put in like I need I know I need to work out or as I don't feel myself mm-hmm. so like I have to I schedule that in or like I schedule everything to the because that's just then gives me something to work towards and then when you do a task you take it off it gives you that little bit of dopamine hit and you feel good about yourself even if it's something as simple as going to the store getting your groceries coming back and cooking yeah. your dinner that's lit that, like, writing that down going doing and taking it off I'm telling you if you don't if anyone listening try it and I guarantee you'll feel better it's just you're, it's a little dopamine hit and it just gives you the right feelings and it feels like you've, you're productive um, and even things like say if I'm going in the morning to do a shoot I'll prep my bag the night before which is like a thing I used to do in rugby I'll prep it mm. for going to training but now I'll prep it because I'm going to do a shoot do you yeah. know what I mean mm. so it's just little things I pull in like that that keeps me disciplined keeps me structured and keeps me organised nice okay. yeah. Okay, uh, I'm going to transition to something I'm sure you're probably sick of. <laughs> um, you probably guess what it is. Um, now, going back a bit before the Olympics, uh, obviously you're a high-performance athlete, you go on to Love Island, you win it. And my question to you is, you're in this unique position where you're literally hit with fame instantly. I have two questions related to this. My first question is, did the Love Island producers provide you with support on how to deal with this life-changing situation, firstly? And secondly, what was your mental health plan in that regard? Good questions. It's funny you asked me that. So I was literally just with Jordan Conroy and Erica Cody just there, yeah. who were both on Dance with the Stars. Mm. And I was chatting away to them. And I was like, so you were dancing for three months with your partner for the last three months. And then show ends done and, and I was like you're not you don't see that person anymore but their dancers went back to wherever they're from Eastern Europe and I was like I literally said to Erica I was like are you okay like I was like that's like going through a breakup mm. and she was like yeah to be honest I found it really really hard and I said I know Jordan he's one of my best friends I was like I knew he was struggling as well because they're with someone every day for like eight hours and then they're just gone out of their lives mm. as if they like die and I'm like that's not okay so I was like do you get mental support and look that, that's a different show it's nothing to do with me but in Love Island it's quite similar so they won't sign you off to go on to the show unless you meet a psychologist and they ask you all the questions and first of all I actually quotation marks failed the um, psychology meeting because she was like you have no idea what you're getting involved in you're like you need to go away have a think about what you're doing and come back and, and like talk to me about it so I did that came back spoke to her about it she was like okay I can sign off on you now she's basically like you need to understand how much your life is wow. going to change yeah which is mad she wasn't there's very like, few things I suppose in life where you literally like most things people build up gradually. a level of profile gradually based on their different things they do in life you know rugby and things like that that builds up a profile to go as you said from nothing to so much yeah. attention as you said like how can anyone be prepared yeah. for that but that's actually interesting that they do yeah. did, did you like it the show no did you like the instant fame uh man i was just so naive to it bro i don't think i realized how big it actually was yeah yeah, yeah. and i was only thinking this last couple of weeks chatting to my mates which is a big thing to me i still have all the same friend group that i had before going to the show which means a lot to me like because i think a lot of love islanders lose their previous life and just create this new like influencer life with new Mm -hmm. friends but i'm like 
just wasn't me. Um, so I'd do it again. I would do it again. So that's, that means I, I, I liked it and yeah. I, I enjoyed it, but I was so naive as to the negatives of it. Um, that was nearly a good thing. So yeah, it was a good thing. There. It was a good thing. So they signed off and anyway, I won the show. But obviously what kind of made it so negative was the me going back to my old life and trying to go to the Olympics yeah. and not following the, the Love Island life, the unwritten rule, you're supposed to move to London, go to the red carpet events, like promote the show, be the it couple, because I was the winning couple. Yeah. And I was like, look, that's not part of the plan, lads. I'm sorry, I didn't plan on going on the show, winning this show. I was like, my yeah. whole plan and focus here is going to the Olympics. You can have me for like a couple of weeks and then I'm going back when preseason starts. Did you think about it or was it an immediate, no, this, that, I don't want to do that? be uh, like a Love yeah. Island winner and just do the whole thing yeah. no man it was never going to happen like okay. even before going into the show so they offered me to go into day one which is whatever first of June like and the first Islanders going to the villa and I oh, said no right okay yeah and I was like look I, I'd, lo- I'd say I'm the first person to ever reject that contract like, <laughs> yeah. like, and I was like look it's just not part of my plan I've tournaments coming up with the Olympic qualifier the first one was coming up and I was like look I, I, Love Island doesn't fit my plan I'm thanks but no thanks did the whole season they got back on to me like I watched Love Island like everyone else I did my whole rugby season and then they rang me and they were like look we really want you to go on the show how can we make this work and I was like I can go in from the last two weeks that's my that's my off season if you can fly me in so they flew me from Toulouse where I was playing a rugby match and they flew me straight on a Sunday night I went in on a Monday morning like straight into the villa it was so like last minute so that's why I was like I hadn't really thought about <laughs> it and, and I was like oh I've been here for a few days this would be a good crack ended up staying there for two weeks winning the thing and I was like this is nuts like you know, it was never part of the plan and then, yeah like it must have been so weird because your last like before entering the villa the very last thing was you're with the lads playing rugby yeah and then you go in and you're you're, you're greg the rugby player and everyone from limerick and everything else and then suddenly overnight you go in here you're shut off from the world while everyone watches you you come back and it's like your whole like that yeah is just my bizarre. life just changed like that and i was crazy you but didn't it, even have a chance to go okay before you become famous <laughs> i'm sure you want all of this because it's like yeah oh you're in there exactly right? i suppose that's the contract you yeah. sign and psychologists signed you off and stuff um but i definitely wasn't ready for it and i think the biggest best thing and biggest thing i did for myself is come back and get straight back into training with the team yeah so i got surrounded by my best mates my teammates and i kind of was naive uh, to what was actually going on as i said i didn't really understand the enormity of it because i was going up in the morning early morning going into training in blanchardstown with the lads and as yeah. i said go back home go to sleep and do it all again so I was surrounded by them and then I'd pick off kind of jobs here and there. I was on RT2FM, different things like that. But I was always just surrounded by the boys. And then we got to the Olympics and then it was afterwards when I realised how big the whole thing was. When I finally mm. took my focus off rugby and went down to everything else, I was like, geez, that was pretty mad. That was pretty big. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's just, you never really even gave it, as you said, it's, you kind of, you didn't give yourself, you didn't have time to process going into Love Island. And then after, you didn't even have time to process what the whole experience was like because you went straight into the rugby in the Olympics. And so you're kind of, people are going like, you know, it seems like a long time ago when you yeah. were there, but as you said in your life, you, it's kind of just not stopped till you have to finish the Olympics and go, whoa. Yeah. What is all <laughs> this? Uh, yeah. In the, I literally only started dealing with it in the last six yeah. months, like after, when I retired. But, so you mentioned there was like an initial assessment after that no mention of Oh, that. sorry. Yeah, no, there is. There's for 14 months after the show, the there's free uh, therapy for okay, you if you want okay. it they check in with you every Wednesday and make sure you're okay it actually gets a bit annoying to be honest like, <laughs> they're on to you the whole time like, but you know it's for a good reason they, like, they've had negative media over yeah. it though obviously like with past uh, people a couple of things have yeah. happened Yeah, no to be honest they, they couldn't do any more for you they're on to you all the okay, time making good. sure you're okay yeah. and there's free therapy for you there if you want it yeah. I didn't take it at the time um, and then I ended up 
reverting back in the last couple of months and, and using different things. But um, yeah, they're very good, man. They yeah. can't, you can't, and they can't, they can only do as much as they can do. That, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? I think, I suppose, as you said, it's like there's only, there's only so much you can do. And no matter what you do, it's impossible to prepare someone to go from, you know, their life into what life is like post. Post Love Island, Love yeah. Island. It's not something you can go, a couple of therapy sessions are going to prepare you for. It's <laughs> yeah. just not a thing. It's not, no. And, I mean, I suppose, and I, I don't know, you know, whether, I suppose maybe that kind of gave you more credibility as well, because it was very interesting, because after you finished the Love Island experience, to then see you, yeah, go back to your normal life, go back to I, the that, rugby, that was That was probably a good thing to do, though, in yeah. relation to, I think, the people who would need therapy more are the ones who go out on their own, you know? Mm. But you kind of went back to your normal life and your normal structure, your normal friends. Yeah. I, I, I think even on, if it was unconscious, that was a good decision. <laughs> I know, I think definitely. so as well, definitely. Just surrounding myself with my family and which friends. you know. And going yeah. back to what I've been working towards for the last 10 years, like, you know, yeah. which was going to the Olympics and being an international rugby player rather than... Go, like changing my whole life my whole focus because I was on a show for two weeks yeah. and the thing with Love Island is you're not famous for a talent like you know you're just it's not even fame it's like I call them like D-list celebrity like do you know what I mean no one really cares about you yeah, because you're yeah, not yeah, yeah. talented like and that I think I was literally one, one of the only Islanders that like realised that I was like like I just want to say like you realise like none of us are here for a talent it's because you're good looking walking around in a bikini and it's class because it gives you a big fame but it kind of makes you more of a personality that's why I, I really struggle with people being like oh how's fame going I'm like oh I'm not famous though do you know what I mean yeah. what matters more to me is the fact that I'm Olympian the fact that I did a law degree and most of the FE1s are done like because I work for them yeah. maybe that's an Irish thing like yeah I, I, yeah, I think maybe it's, and also I suppose an Irish thing as well I think there is an element of that kind of family and friend network I feel like you know I have family over in the UK and stuff and I feel like sometimes there is a slightly different view on like even for example like going to university like I'll have cousins who will have up sticks gone university the other side of the world lost touch with all their friends from school oh. and a lot of them do that you know they're like oh I can't wait to you know move I have a lot of cousins from Essex and they're like can't wait to some of them I have a cousin in Swansea and a whole new friend group just start a new life there in university and I'm going like oh that's interesting and then I go when I go home like when I fly home and visit friends I still you know go out for a few pints with friends I went to school with. Yeah. and you don't really lose that I think there is a li in Ireland there's a little bit more of a close knit you're, kind you're of culture stuck with people and yeah people go <laughs> ah that dickhead and stuff yeah, you know so there yeah, is a little yeah. bit of that kind of you know you know kind yeah. of stick and stuff where I think you know it, you tend to kind of be a bit more protected I suppose I think we do protect each other here but we're great for also tearing each other tearing back each other down back. to yeah. but only to we're allowed to tear each other back yeah. down if someone else is we'll back you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it is but I don't I just yeah you make friends that for life long friends and I don't know why all these people just kind of forget about that and just change chapter and just go to a completely new group of mm. friends like, I don't know I just was much more comfortable in the life I mm. had it's, I'd say it's probably yeah. like a lack of identity yeah. you know for some people they don't really know who they are so that's the next pathway for them in a way Yeah, uh, which is difficult but again yeah. you were probably fortunate that you had your, mm. your friends at home and your yeah. identity already because that's I thought your comment about people saying oh how's fame going and stuff is an interesting one because yeah. as you're saying the, with the whole Love Island experience it's a very different thing and it probably comes down to the way you had to take you had a lot of different interests and backgrounds and built a career afterwards what's different with the love island experience is you go from unlike having a talent and then becoming famous for the talent yeah. you got given the fame and then have to figure out afterwards what talent am i now going to try to <laughs> form or personality i'm going to form to fit the fame yeah it's so, so you now go weird. okay i have all these people watching me 
what now are they going to be watching of me and what are they going yeah. to be looking at so that must be a bit of pressure because exactly. then you're going unlike where you can kind of figure yourself out and go who am I Greg O'Shea in private and eventually you know mm. for yourself you now have a lot of people going alright you're famous now what are you going to be yeah. famous for yeah. and so was that hard to kind of go you're trying to figure yourself out in the public eye you didn't get a chance to kind of figure it out exactly yeah I kind of did it backwards I like, guess it's the way it works you get given the fame and now you have to try and maintain it yeah. yeah but if you put stats to it so I came off the back of the show and I had 1.7 million followers okay yeah. and then I decided not to be the Love Island guy and follow the whole move to London be at nightclubs keep going around with my top off all this stuff and be the it couple <laughs> so I wasn't the guy that they were following me for then so I tried to take the Love Island fame and force it into what I care about yeah. which is my rugby my fitness my wellness my social media brands like my presenting but not all 1.7 million give a crap about that. So like my following and also not staying with Amber after the show didn't help me at all. Yeah. But I just, I just didn't want that yeah. relationship. It wasn't going to work for me. She was in England, I was in Ireland. It was just like, I'm focusing over here. You're the it girl over there. How is this relationship going to work? I was way too realistic, basically. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? Very I like, sensible. This isn't going to work. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I never took it to the next stage with her. But, um, but you, you're surely happy. It's better to have one million followers that care about your content and five million followers that are only following you because you're that's the, the screen, thing yeah. yeah so 1.7 million i've lost eight hundred thousand followers since the back of the show which is more than the population of limerick like don't <laughs> it's insane if you think yeah. about that yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah when you put it into population figures yeah. i always think it's nuts yeah. it was a What's the capacity of Croke Park? 80,000. So yeah. 10 Croke Parks. <laughs> Just went unfollow. sick of you, Greg. Honestly, it's yeah. mad. And I lose like 1,000 a day, which is nuts. But I also gain maybe like six, 700 a day. Yeah. Yeah. So then, as you said there, I'm losing all these love, young Love Island fans. Like, so I don't know, like a 14-year-old girl in Bristol, right? But I'm gaining... <laughs> A 30 year old man that's living in London that cares about his wellness and cares yeah. about, you know what I mean? So my following's gone down, but my engagement is much more concentrated. And yeah. I'm like a lovely group of people that care about what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm more, much more genuine. And I've kept the same. Irish people are so supportive because I yeah. think they were like, all right, you didn't turn into a dickhead. Yeah. You yeah. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. yeah. You said you're going to go to Olympics. You said you're going to do your law exams. I did that. I'm still walking around Dublin. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think people kind of respect that. Yeah. But then again, other people, when I'm, I'm in London a lot, like, like yourself they're like you're an idiot man you threw it all away like you had the mm. golden ticket and I'm like yeah I'd have the golden ticket my pockets would be full of money but I'd be miserable like, yeah. do you know yeah. what I mean I, just, I, I always wonder them people as well what happens after do you know when they hit a certain age that they can't be depending on their image for example I always yeah. wonder and the next person comes in that's the other thing yeah, but, I suppose that's a challenge with if you brand yourself as the Love Island person <laughs> yeah. there's another season the next year so yeah. again yeah. you become Oh, last season's Love Island. Exactly. Now we've got a new one to follow. Yeah, and so sure there's a new reality TV show. It's not just Love Island. Yeah, How many so reality yeah. points are there? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. mad. So I suppose that I think that's what I find interesting is you know from your experience is seeing how you know you rat you know you see people always become famous for different things, but you've had to basically take a situation where you became famous without really asking for it. It was just it happened based on what you did, and then had to go. Well, I want to be known for a certain thing, yeah. and I'm prepared to go through, as you said, people will go, you're throwing it all away, through the what people would assume the hard pain of technically throwing away that initial sort of noise and attention 
to form what you actually want to be known for. Exactly. Which is a, a, an easy thing for people to say, oh yeah, I would do that. But when you get handed <laughs> the golden ticket, it's very hard to do. Yeah. Because you see how many people kind of were happy to just sell their soul to the devil. Yeah. So it's... Um, man, like the amount of money I turned down after the show actually makes me sick. Like yeah. it's hundreds of thousands of euros offered for different contracts, for different brands. But I just knew, I was like, if I'm seen to work with this brand, the country of Ireland is just going to be like, that guy's completely lost one of himself. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I just knew it wasn't me. And I was like, money would be great, but long term, that's not me. Mm. Um, so as in, I basically just chose happiness over money. And it's, and I, I think that I'm really proud about is that I have so many like moms coming up to me being like, do you know what? You're such a good example to my young Johnny who's six years old. And yeah, like, you stuck nice. to what you did, but you got your exams done. You're doing what you care about. You came back home. And like, that means so much more to me that like a young fella might go, do you know what? I'm going to stick to what I care about. Do you know what mm. I mean? At this day and age, you get ridiculed for, for trying to be yourself. Like, do you know what I mean? Someone yeah. does something a little bit different. You're like, why are you trying to be different? Like, do you know where mm. I was on the most watched show in Britain and Ireland. I won it. And then I did completely against the grain. I went back to what I wanted to do. You're the, you're the first one to do it, I would yeah. say, are you? Exactly, yeah. yeah. One guy that kind of did it was, was Dr. Alex. Alex, yes. yeah. yeah. He, he didn't win it, but he did very, very well. He, and he's like the minister for mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is really cool. So yeah. I kind of chatted to him a little bit about okay. it. Like, yeah, so um, other than that, no, not really. Which no. I'm not begrudging it. Like, no. if people want to be yeah. an influencer. Yeah, yeah. You have a choice, dude. Yeah, yeah, do it, man. 100%. Look at people yeah. like Tommy and Molly May. Like, they're millionaires. Like, yeah. and they're, they seem to be happy. Like, yeah. so. Do you know what I mean? It was just my choice. Like. Yeah. And I suppose one thing I'm curious about is that you mentioned about being an, an, you know, an inspiration to, you know, little Johnny or whatever it yeah. is. Like now that you've gone into that wellness space and you're starting to build that profile now as the Gregor Shea you want to be known for. And obviously you're involved in the kind of wellness space. And you've talked a lot about how going through the sport, the intensity of that, then the fame and then trying to build your life. You've dealt with your own mental struggles. Do you feel a pressure now to kind of at least be an example for you know people around wellness mental wellness do you feel like you have to because a lot of people i know online feel sometimes a bit of pressure where they've got to try to tell people stuff do you yeah. feel like you, you know people are looking at you for advice on these things and how do you deal with that because that's a lot to kind of have on your shoulders yeah it's a tough kind of industry to get into and that's why i was chatting to you beforehand about it how you're going about it so you obviously back all your stuff up with science mm. so you actually have a lot more substance to you than like an influencer just throwing up a post about mental health like yeah. you know it doesn't really help anyone yeah. do you know what i mean so for me i'm trying to use my own story and my own uh experiences and like even chatting about my own and then someone might go oh I kind of get that now yeah and they just yeah. reapply it where I don't have the psychology degree to, to actually tell people what to do but I can tell my own story so that's what I'm really doing with my app it's like live workouts and on demand but that makes you feel good but then there's also a wellness section but then again I was very conscious of not me just writing all the wellness stuff so I reached out to like experts like Great. a career expert um, I just had a drift flow therapy expert which is to do that stuff's amazing flotation therapy you yeah. should look into it guys I was it's actually watching you talk about that recently and I was like yeah. going I've never tried it but I'm, I've yeah. heard it's meant to be epic so good man. Just, for, just for recharging yourself it's basically a pod full of Epsom salt like a ton of Epsom salt you float on top of it and it just it puts you into this kind of like semi-sleep state where they shut off the lights shut off music so you don't really know where you are you're kind of floating it's kind of like being back in the womb like to me is what they say it's like, and you <laughs> yeah. just your body just goes into such a restorative recharged state and you wake up you just feel so much better like um, so I got a guy to write an a, a article on that because I didn't want to write because he's the owner he knows what he's talking about so I'm just trying to put out wellness mm. stuff there for people to kind of tap into 
I got a pharmacist to write about um, like what vitamins and minerals we should be taking. Mm-hmm. There's just a million one things out there. Yeah. She has literally people coming in every day being like, what I should be taking. So yeah. I asked her to do it. So different bits like that. Like I'm trying not, I'm trying to stay in my lane, but also put wellness stuff out there for people to, to read when which, they want. Which I think is something we're always talking about is in, you know, no one begrudges anyone talking about their own experiences. I mean, as yeah. you said, even listen to you talk about it, there's things I'll go, wow, that's interesting. I can relate to that and stuff. And you're, everyone owns their own story and you can talk about how it made you feel and how you dealt with it. And yeah. then also with that profile, you have the opportunity, as you said, to put people who know their stuff, give them the attention, take their information, put it in front of the, a lot more eyes. That's yeah. the impact I suppose you can have. Exactly, I, it's yeah. just, it's interesting because it's so, just so much pressure, as you know, because you do anything people look at it and they go oh. exactly so yeah. you kind of feel like anything you do could have an impact on someone else so exactly, it's probably yeah. I, I don't know but yeah, i'm sure like you have to think of that's another level of it's, mental pressure it, it, as well. it's yeah. the you seem to have an awareness that you have a responsibility it's not just you have the platform you have a responsibility to make sure that your information is accurate yeah 100 because um, so if i press well, well done for that thank you appreciate <laughs> it if i press post 900 and something thousand people can see it like that like yeah. so I'm like oh you better watch what I'm saying here like do you know what mm-hmm. I mean and I was I wasn't great at the start but no, now I'm much more aware of it and what I put out there and man people are smart like they yeah. know if you're you're trying to be something you're not like doing this day and age so I'm very conscious of that um, but yeah I think I think I've done alright to kind of stick to who I am I think that's why I lose followers is because people yeah. are like oh you're just a normal lad like do you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean where like people yeah. want to follow like people that they can't touch they can't detain yeah. like, do you know what I mean oh that person's famous like they live just no I'm yeah. just a normal lad like do you know yeah. what I mean oh, yeah. he's normal <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I, I have one question I just want to get your opinion on uh, yeah. and then I'll, I'll, I'll finish I'll yeah. ask last question uh, the, obviously in you know as you said you come from a rugby background there's that kind of like initially there was that butch mentality of um yeah, if you if there's anything wrong with you, deal with it kind of thing. And yeah. you mentioned how that's changed, and you know, amongst your friends, I know you've talked about you know having conversations with some of your friends from Dance of the Stars, things like that. From your perspective and chatting to your mates and stuff, and I know we have the, some conversations with that. How are you seeing men's mental health and how we look at it changing? Because I think that's something that even in this conversation here, we're talking about it, which. Three know, men talking three about men mental talk health. Mental health. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it is something that, would, like, if you talk to our fathers and stuff, that's not something that used to be done. So, how are you seeing it? Obviously, you're in the wellness space, so maybe you see it a bit more, but amongst your mates and stuff, is do you see things change? Are people a little bit more open to talk about mm. it? I think, think it, we, men still have a long way to go, I think, but we're getting much better. Like, And that's literally only within the last two years. I think COVID has sped it up mm. um, because during COVID, people that cared about you stayed in contact with you. So, I think yeah. people's circle is really concentrated really tightened their circle of people like mine did anyway and I see with my friends as well um, but take before COVID none of my lads or none of us would ever reach out to each other to make sure we we're okay ever and you'd never talk about oh you're kind of down in the dumps or whatever there's like unless someone was in absolute bits crying then you might check in them mm-hmm. now literally only this morning one of the boys texting me like well man I haven't had it too no, do you want to grab a coffee are you okay and like and yeah. that's that's happening much more frequently now yeah. so I think lads are starting to think about it um, but I think we're much 
much more behind women. Like I think women are always checking in with each other and stuff. But then again, I think lads, when you have your close mates, like we're, you're inseparable, you're always going to be there for each yeah. other. Or I think girls can kind of turn on each other sometimes. Yeah. I think lads, you can literally have a fight with someone and then 10 minutes later, like your yeah. best friends again. Like me, I live with my best mates, my best mate for the last 20 years. Man, we kill each other. Like I'd be yeah. like, like not shouting, but like just abusing each other. Yeah. And then two minutes later, we're laughing with something else. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, it's a, uh, Checking in on each other is definitely something we need to do more, but we're, and we're getting better. But I think we we still have a long way to go. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, good answer. Um, <laughs> and so, last question we ask this to all our guests, Greg. Um, don't answer it straight away. Have a think. So obviously, we're involved in mental health education going into schools, and we're constantly trying to improve our program. If you could teach future generations one thing, what would it be? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Which is why we let you think about it. Yeah, does it have to be to do with mental health? No, No, it can be anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... I think that kids, especially um, kind of young teenagers, need to be taught more about finances and dealing with your finances. I know it's really boring, but, like, teaching them how to deal with your tax, like, all dealing with like the revenue like everything like that like there's there's you don't just you're not taught that in school and then yeah. you're sitting down learning tropic tours like do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> like such a waste of time man like letting kids down learn 20 pages of just irish cartoons like where they just teach them about life like do you know what i mean dealing with relationships as well i think one of the hardest things for people to go through is heartbreak you're not yeah. taught about how to deal with that yeah. like, mentally do you know mm. what i mean and that's another big thing so Prepping kids for actual life, I think, is an issue with the Irish education system. Mm. Um, and I think it's starting to get better, though. I think they're after bringing in things like computer sciences now yeah. you can do in, in school, you can do physical education. Um, so I think they're slightly starting to get there. But like that would be that would be my biggest thing. And I suppose mental health comes into that and uh, being able to teach kids processes of how to like acknowledge your feelings and then how to deal with that. Mm, yeah. I presume they're starting to do that now in school, but when I was in there, they, they don't do that. No, but that's where you guys know. come in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hopefully. I think the big <laughs> yeah. thing, so everyone big with finances, uh, dealing with um, relationships, and also, also I think co-ed schools should, or um, co-ed schools should just be unanimous, like yeah, across the board. I, agree. Yeah. I don't think single-sex schools no. should be that anymore. That's so archaic. Like mm. the world is, is, is you come um, out as eighteen, you're like, okay, now you've got sex. to socialize with women, the opposite sex, the opposite sex or whatever it is in university, and you're, yeah. and you're terrified and of them. <laughs> so you go from you know, so you have to suddenly now you're legally allowed to drink, legally allowed yeah. to drink, and you're going into university where you're now living away from home, and you're with the opposite sex. It's like what could possibly you're go just wrong? freaking out yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. so that you're not prepping these kids for a normal life so finances uh, dealing with the opposite sex relationships and the other one was acknowledging your mental health and processes to deal with that but that's where you guys come in you know what I mean good answer good. I think that's perfect to finish it uh, Greg <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for yeah, coming on it's been an absolute pre- pleasure and all I can say is keep doing what you're doing yeah. appreciate it lads you too congrats on this it's great crack thank you. thanks very thank much you.